All right. Hello, everyone. I have with me Secretary Woods of the Maryland VA. Um, and yes, thank you so much for being here. We are at the Career Fair, the Resource Fair for Veterans at um, the Chesapeake Beach um, American Legion Post. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, exciting to see, you know, American Legion posts just like this one stepping up and, and doing their part and taking care of veterans. And I think that's one of the things that I've appreciated most about this role is just seeing the ways of the veteran community, um, how vibrant it is, how dynamic it is, um, organizations old and new stepping up to do great things for, for veterans across the state. And, and this is a great example of it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I have to shout out our county commission because I started going to meetings back in July, August timeframe, and they just made me feel so welcome. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm probably the youngest about by maybe 15, almost 20 yeah. years, but it, it doesn't make a difference. They were excited because I think we really need to reach out to more younger veterans. So could you tell me what is the state kind of doing to focus on that um, vulnerable population of younger veterans? Well, I actually wanted to start kind of with, with, with where, where you mentioned the idea. Um, so not every county has a county level veterans commission. And so I'd say that's actually one of the things that we actually encourage quite a bit because it's really at this grassroots level where individuals understand the needs of their, their local veteran population. And it looks a little bit different wherever you are, right? On the Eastern shore, uh, transportation challenges are, are a bigger issue uh, more so than um, and, and then access to, uh, to care um, is more of an issue there than it would be in some of our uh, more densely populated areas that are closer to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs footprint, right? So the needs are different wherever you are. And I think having um, local organizations and local county level uh, resources is, is a key one. But to your, your broader question, it's actually one of the biggest challenges that I've noticed for my department. We've got really good at knowing where our sort of Vietnam veteran population and older where they are. We've got great relationships with uh, the DAV, with the VFW and the American Legion, of course. Um, but it's really reaching that sort of uh, Gulf War and post 9-11 veteran that I think is one of our biggest challenges because, uh, you know, they communicate differently. They consume information differently, which is why your podcast is really helpful. Uh, and that's one of our, our big areas. And so for me, the priority is on accepting that challenge, embracing that challenge and leaning into it. Trying to find a new way to tell different stories, uh, I think, is actually a really fundamentally important part as well. I think a lot of us know that veterans, veterans of color, women veterans, often under-consume the benefits that they've earned because they don't necessarily see themselves reflected in the stories that we tell about veterans, and they often don't self-identify as veterans when they, when they should because yes. they've earned these benefits. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. These are all issues that um, I talk about daily uh, with our Facebook group. Yeah. And um, another thing is just kind of, you know, we all have the same issues as veterans from each era. You know, we're coming back with PTSD, um, other mental health issues. Mm -hmm. But the way that younger veterans want to fix these ailments is different. Um, so I think younger veterans are more open about mental health, mm -hmm. which um, I have veterans reach out to me daily because the VA is very short on mental health. Um, yeah. So how, how is the state kind of helping with that? Yeah, well, we're, we're looking at this from a couple of different directions. Um, one, I think you're absolutely right, right? So helping to reduce stigma is actually quite important and encouraging individuals to take advantage of mental health resources. It's mental health is health 
And it is important that we all recognize that, um, you know, finding professionals who can get that, uh, who can provide that, that sort of expertise is really important. Um, but the thing that I'm actually quite proud of is Governor Moore reaffirmed the state's commitment to the governor's challenge to end suicide among service members, veterans, and their families. And so that is actually a very big area where we're focusing. Um, one of the things that I think is most important coming out of that work, one, is providing counties with uh, expertise, resources, uh, and support in understanding where they might have gaps and how they provide uh, um, uh, mental health crisis uh, um, support, which I think is really, really quite important to suicide prevention. So that work has been going on for, for a while now and is yielding results, but also working with providers. And one of the things that we found is that in 40% of uh, suicide deaths, an individual within the last 30 days has seen their primary care provider. And so what we realize is it's actually really important to make sure primary care providers are aware that they might have a service member who's sitting, a former service member who's sitting across from them. And there's a whole different range of questions they might want to ask to build that rapport and to start to address some of the challenges they may have. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say that the state did was did a pretty historic investment in our 988 infrastructure. Um, many folks don't realize that states actually play a pretty important role in funding that infrastructure. And so um, it's important that people know that it is a crisis lifeline. You can give them a call if you're, if you're having suicidal thoughts. Uh, if you're a veteran, you press one after you've dialed 988 and it puts you directly in touch with someone who knows how to work with veterans in our community. Yes, yes, I was able to make meet the woman um, who got that initiative started out at the Military Influencer Conference. Incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool to meet her. Um, I think that, yes, that's that's so important. Um, another demographic, I know we all saw the um, the recent report, suicide report that came yeah. out, and women in my demographic, um, ages 18 to 34, are three and a half times more likely to commit suicide. Mm. Um, than their civilian counterparts. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the state doing to kind of help mitigate that for women, younger women veterans? Yeah, I think you've, you've raised an important point. Again, I, I would turn to the governor's uh, executive order on this specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and then this goes back to what kind of what I mentioned. Um, we've actually created a women veterans program. And so Rosalind Jones from my team actually heads that program. And it really is based on this um, unique reality that women veterans face a different set of challenges, right? Every veteran group, um, you know, within it has um, intersectional challenges that, that present differently, right? And so it's important and I'm glad the state recognized the need to understand, one, we need to reach women veterans differently, but we need to understand the programming that is necessary to support women veterans. Uh, and so I think um, that program has been starting to yield results and I think the combination of having programming that's directly designed for women, in addition to the governor's challenge, that really is our kind of answer right now um, to, to, to try to drive down suicide numbers. Um, but the work is really just beginning. Right, right, absolutely. Well, um, Secretary, thank you so much for um, letting me interview you. And is there anything else I could help you share? to the younger population. Ooh, that's, a good, that's a good one. Well, uh, so first and foremost, I would say um, take advantage of the benefits that you've earned. I know a lot of folks say things like, oh, well, it's, it's for someone else who needs it more or, um, oh, you know, or, oh, I don't want to wait in a long line and deal with a long process. I will say that I was one of those people. It took me a long time. Uh, uh, my husband convincing me that it's time for you to go and, 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 address, right. and address these issues. 
Um, I had a great experience working through the process. And so my, my plug is that folks reach out um, to the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs and take advantage of our free support with uh, submitting and filing claims. And that, that yes. would be my advice to every veteran. Uh, take advantage of it. Uh, they really are life-changing from VA home loans to GI Bill to health care to, to compensation if you have any um, injuries that you sustained while in service. They really make a difference, and I would hope that veterans take advantage of it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that because I feel like so many of us have shame of reaching out later. Um, yeah because we're, we're afraid of the question, why now? Yeah. Um, but I, that wasn't my experience. I yeah. waited six years before I filed. Um, yeah, and same I with waited, you, waited so. a little longer, but it was, um, uh, I will say, I wish I had taken advantage of it sooner. And I think it'll be, um, it's, it's impact, impactful in my life. And I think that's true for veterans uh, of all types. Yes, yes. Well, great. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you very much. Awesome. <laughs>